Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is a bonus episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Now, as ever, let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Before I take you to meet today's guest, I should just mention that the Ministry of Arts merch shop is open now. So if you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll find a Linktree drop-down box which will give you the link to the merch site. Go over, take a look, you may find something you like. And 100% of the proceeds go back into the podcast. Well, today I'm taking you to meet Zoe Allen from Artistic Statements. Artistic Statements create impactful art installations. From pop-up immersive displays for events, indoor graphic murals and temporary interactive installations, to large-scale permanent public artworks, digital animation design, light sculptures and more. But come and find out more about Artistic Statements from its founder, Zoe Allen. Zoe, I have several questions that I ask each guest. Mm -hmm. And the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that may not know you? 
It's a very good question. I try and do it as simply as possible. Um, I specialize in site-specific art installations um, in commercial spaces. So I represent a wide variety of multidisciplinary, artistic, creative talent, and I commission them on bespoke pieces. So that ranges from sort of sculptural works, lighting, um, 2D illustration. It's kind of across the board. It depends on sort of what, what the space is. Well, I did have a look at the artistic statements Instagram profile and website. Oh, you've got some sensational stuff going on there. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's um, yeah, I've, I've worked on some really exciting projects since I started four years ago, but obviously I'm only as good as the, the creative talent that I represent. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been, it's been a, an amazing few years. So artistic statements is where we're at both yeah. this year and presumably 2019 was when it started. It was, so, yeah. Let's take it back all the way further and speak yeah. about Zoe Allen. Yeah. Did you have um, creativity in home growing up? A hundred percent. Yeah. Really? So my um, my dad's, well, my mum and dad both renovated properties um, all through sort of my my childhood. So we were kind of just very used to, I, I guess, sort of watching period properties be transformed right in front of our eyes and sort of running around on kind of building sites and the smell of wet plaster. <laughs> so it was very, very much kind of ingrained in us in seeing the kind of creativity of, of spaces being transformed. Um, and my dad's, you know, was in property. My mum's an interior designer and artist. So it's definitely, I get my kind of creative flair from her, um, but probably entrepreneurial spirit from, from both of them as well. Brilliant. Did you go down the arts line yourself? No, so it, it's it's interesting, you know, I suppose feeling like I've come full circle and, you know, for those friends that I've had since, you know, primary school or secondary school, I think being an art consultant feels completely natural to them because I was always very artistic in school. It was sort of, you know, one of my favourite, favourite subjects. And even in primary school, they'd get me to kind of design, you know, the Christmas programme and the sort of theatre productions and so on. So, so drawing and art was a huge kind of part of, of growing up. But I think... I was I was relatively academic. I was relatively good at school, so I had sort of good grades, and I think it was just natural to kind of go down the academia route. It, I, I just never considered kind of taking art further, even into A level. I didn't do it for A level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's very much kind of part of of my identity, but I never considered kind of taking it further as a career. And I think a lot of people, you know, say and experience that you just don't think that it can be a vocation. I knew that I was ambitious. I knew I wanted a, a lot out of life, and I was willing to work for it. Um, but I suppose also I probably wasn't producing artworks. You know, it, it was I was very creative in in, in different ways. But outside of school, I, I don't think I sort of took that into my teens. Um, so it's interesting now that I've kind of come full circle, which I'll sort of talk through with more of a kind of business development and sales and, and some backpacking to kind of come full circle and think actually art and creativity is ingrained in my DNA and it's, it's something I'm hugely passionate about. And if I could combine the skills that I had in the business and sort of sales world with that passion, that would be a winning formula. So it's, you know, I, I say this a lot. It's one of my favorite quotes from Steve Jobs is that you, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. And I just love that because yeah, yeah. it's so true. You know, you kind of question the directions that you have in life in your, in your twenties and question all the decisions and where you're going and the, you know, the, the trajectories, but actually you kind of come full circle and say, you know what, it was probably all meant to be. And it was a really interesting path. So, so what area was your business and sales in? 
Um, get ready. I mean, it's very, very dry, very boring. So I, <laughs> I graduated with a degree in social anthropology and journalism. So travel is, is still a really huge passion of mine. And I just wanted to get away and experience the world and see the world and photograph the world and write about the world. Um, but it was a very, very difficult time graduating in 2008 during the recession. So, you know, I think there was probably... I don't know, sort of 20 journalism jobs, graduate jobs for about 20,000 applicants. Um, and as much as I was good at blagging my way into things like uh, the Casino Royale press circle to to, to meet an nice. ITM um, cameraman to get some work experience there and various sort of um, blags to get myself some good work experience within journalism, I just realised very quickly that I wasn't going to be able to support myself in, in London, you know, on sort of, well, low salaries, even if I'd have got the job. So it it felt kind of natural, I guess. I I was always been relatively good with words and sort of speaking to kind of go down the sales route. And I thought, actually, that could be my ticket out. If I can earn some money quickly, I can get out of my overdraft, get some savings together and bugger off and go and have an adventure for a couple of years. So you know that that took about 18 months two years after graduating and and it was cutthroat it it felt like a quite a brutal time of telesales um and we were selling um conferences to law firms so it was nice rather niche yeah 200 phone calls a day to kind of the top 100 law firms in in the country and trying to get through gatekeepers but it really built a lot of resilience you know i i can honestly say i really hated the job but actually it it taught me how to you know not just speak to people, I, I guess, but just the sort of sales process and also working in what was a pretty male dominated sort of team. And, you know, it was it was competitive and it was commission based, but but I did well. And I think it just it it taught me that resilience. And and I think just, you know, having a goal of getting away and backpacking, it was I was very, very focused on that. It was just just get your head down, get the experience in and get out. So, yeah, I, I, you know, and then I think I then when I was backpacking, it got me out of trouble a few times. You know, you run out of money pretty quickly when you're backpacking, having too much fun, um, you know, and I'd be stuck in whatever places in Southeast Asia or Australia or New Zealand. I did the kind of, you know, the, the, the yeah, standard yeah, yeah, backpacking yeah, nice. um, route. But each time I ran out of money, I could get a sales job very quickly and earn a lot more in a week than most people could in a bar in a month. So Brilliant. it was it was kind of my fallback, but I found it soul destroying. I really, really hated it. Or as I said, the sort of Steve Jobs quote, it, it is all connected and all kind of leads me to where I am now, which is quite interesting. I think that kind of commercial head is so, so important. And I guess, you know, most creatives would say they don't have it or they hate sales or they're not good at sort of selling themselves. And I think sales has quite often felt like a dirty word, even up until recently. And I'm now seeing it as the superpower. I just think it needs to be, oh, it needs brilliant. to have, it needs to have a rebrand, I think, you know, because yeah. it, it does, it does feel dirty. It does feel like, oh God, you know, sales. But when you're, you know, I suppose sort of without sounding cheesy, selling a dream or a vision, or there's a famous um, Simon Sinek talk, TED talk, I don't know if you know it, where it's people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So they're buying into you and kind of your story, you know, and it it sounds really sort of calculating, but that is just naturally what I do anyway. I absolutely love what I do. I'm hugely passionate about the industry, about the creatives and about accessibility in the art world, you know, getting public artwork out there and supporting the careers of, of, of creatives. 
that is a natural passion of mine and that comes across in meetings and then people kind of buy into it so it's a very honest thing but people do really buy into it and I, I wish that more artists could kind of understand that that the story of how they've come to be and produce their works is hugely valuable and people are interested in hearing it because it's them it's their identity is wrapped up in those artworks so yeah. it's sort of it's it's storytelling and that's really all kind of sales is right so yeah. it's, I'm I'm so pleased that I've had that experience but it's also coined with a, a you know a hugely artistic flair and creative sensibilities to be able to understand what spaces are and have an eye for it and those two things together set me apart as an art consultant and you know you mentioned imposter syndrome um, a minute ago I, I definitely had that when I started I, I don't have an arts background uh, you know which which sounds mad as an art consultant but the skills that I do have within the kind of area that I'm in within the sort of property industry is hugely valuable I'm the sort of conduit between both industries and I can speak both languages and that sales again comes into property that I understand that kind of you know the, the process in, involved in in business and and the sort of commercial selling of buildings and leasing of buildings and so on so being able to wear both hats um is is really really useful so I'm now kind of I feel like I'm owning it a little bit more as I, you know I know I'm good at what I do I know that I can deliver great projects and it's because of those skill sets and that experience um, you know, and it's not not having an arts background has not held me back. And I don't think it will. Well, I was speaking to a gallery owner a little while ago and he's got a new gallery, um, or relatively new. Um, and he said to me, I know nothing about art. I've got, yeah. you know, but I know sales. Yeah. So he employs people that do know about art. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he was brutally honest about it. It didn't sit too well with me at first because, like you said, I'm, I'm a bit funny when it comes to sales. It does feel yeah. a bit dirty. Yeah. Christ, man, we can't get by without selling our work, you know? Exactly. And it's, you know, because of that and even, you know, the sort of the, the property industry, the, the budgets are fair and they're and they're there and they're needed. And because of that, I get to feed back those budgets into the creative industry. So it's it's a you know it's it's a great thing that we're able to you know sell it, it means that artists can be supported and have those sort of opportunities so yeah so can we go to i don't know six months a year before um artistic statement started how did it come about from idea to conception yeah know, so i i sort of um cut my teeth at an art agency for i was director there for seven years so sort of after backpacking i'd i'd come back and you know had this kind of wealth of sales experience and new business and business development experience but essentially i was like i, I i'm out i just i can't do sales anymore i just i really mm -hmm. don't care about it it's soul destroying <laughs> i just you know want to be around the kind of creative industry so i went to a creative recruiter and just said look this is one of my kind of interests and skill sets um, but I do have this kind of new business, you know, background. So if there's something that can kind of combine it and they approached me with an agency that was very much a sort of startup. There were literally three or four people in the business. Um, they'd been sort of friends from, from university, the, the founders, and they needed somebody to kind of go out and, you know, sell the dream. But it was an agency that were um, creating bespoke artworks within the kind of office sector. And I saw some of these artworks and they just blew me away I think I, I again sort of bought into what they were trying to do in transforming workplace environments so it was kind of off the back of these really creative and inspiring workspaces that Google were creating that then created this whole kind of tsunami of kind of creative workplaces and we were riding that wave it, and it was a really really exciting time so it never felt like sales it was going out and meeting 
architects, interior designers, and, and you know, property developers and landlords, and literally just showing the portfolio of work. So if this is about storytelling and we weave the kind of the brand into the building or we're looking at the story and history of the building itself. So each artwork had a really kind of strong story that people were buying into and suddenly I was buying into it. So although I was really creative, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'd have known anything about art or even really followed the art industry. But these works were so inspiring that what they were kind of creating in-house and every single project that was different I was just so excited. So, you know, I was very, very uh, motivated by what I was doing. And it didn't feel like sales because I was going out and presenting a portfolio and people were sort of buying into that. I wasn't in the office, which I loved. I'm not good at sitting at a desk nine to five. I think I'd done enough of that kind of corporate sales team and sitting in very dull offices on, on the phone all day. It was like, I don't want to do that. And it wasn't. I was networking 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 and of course the sales kept coming in the, the company grew so I was you know head of sales in that time the pressure was on as we as we grew we went yeah. from four people to late 30s by the time I left oh wow um and I just worked my absolute butt off yeah. <laughs> it was blood sweat and tears and you know saying it didn't feel like sales there was still you know a lot of pressure and and sales targets but the day-to-day -day, you know sort of um functioning it, it it didn't um but i think in the end i i was probably at burnout if i if i look back i think i'd just been on this like running machine and just running full pelt because the industry was buoyant we were in london it was after the 2012 you know olympics that there was just this incredible energy to yeah, the yeah, city and I was just so excited that I didn't need to sit in an office and that even when I went into the <laughs> office, it was like a cool art collective that had a really cool studio in Shoreditch and there were dogs running around and drum and bass playing. And I was like, what is this? Is this my job? Like, this is this is nuts. And then I'm getting to go in and create these artworks. So it was kind of, again, using the sort of sales and sort of business sort of side of things in terms of a very corporate property industry. So I had the ability to be, you know, suited up Mayfair meeting with, with the property guys but then put a pair of trainers on, run over to Shoreditch and go and brief the design team and be able to kind of have, have that understanding. And then I was, you know, running kind of creative workshops of these teams and, and developing a brief alongside them and then going back and sort of speaking the language of artists and creativity and understanding that process to extract the best out of the creative team. So I really loved every single element of that job, other than the kind of sales target forecasting sort of side of things. But that naturally comes when you're sales director. But after seven years, I, I was just exhausted. And I thought, I've got to ask myself, you know, which often people do, where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in five years, 10 years? And I just thought, I don't want to be here next year. It's it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be, you're just feeding the beast in the end, yeah, right? Like, yeah. it's just the bigger the studio gets, the, the bigger the targets. You're having to support those salaries. And so I did a kind of cliche, Bali, you know, switch off kind of retreat few weeks. And I came back and the writing was really on the wall. I think if I'm if I'm really honest with myself, I've probably always, you know, envisioned having a business of my own. I think having the pressure of other business owners kind of, you know, monitoring my success based on a kind of sales figure, it just didn't sit well with me. And I just thought the writing's on the wall. I've got a great network of property clients that I've delivered multiple buildings with and they understand the process and I and I've delivered great projects with them because of an eye for creativity and what the space needed, but also the kind of PR and marketing aspect and the, the storytelling of these buildings, I knew what I could deliver. And the most exciting thing is that in that company, I was confined to working with the in-house creatives and design team. 
And that was on the basis of who was available. And there were different sort of levels of artists and designers. But I thought, well, if I set up on my own, I've got the world's creative yeah. talent yeah. to tap into. And that's just... You haven't got a pool of artists. You've got a, an ocean of artists. Yeah. yeah. And it was infinite. And I thought that's just so exciting to be able to actually reach out to artists that might not have ever done a public art installation you know might not have ever had their kind of work out there and to be able to kind of extract their creativity and to handhold and sort of mentor and work with them to deliver something really exciting that was just really really you know an amazing kind of thought and also to really focus on public art and place making so at the agency that I was at as I said, we're doing like sort of largely office environments and that still makes up a big part of what my business does now, but really kind of pushing the public art side of things and getting artwork accessible to people that wouldn't ordinarily have art in their life. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That really excites me, excites me. So the kind of supporting of creative industries, working with different artists and, and art accessibility, I just thought that's the vision. If I can just, uh, you know, as a mission, get that out to people and I've got the network of clients that will be paying for those things, then it's it's a winning formula. So I, I joked with friends, I didn't have a business plan. That's not really how I roll. I just thought, again, the sales voice in my head, get out. Yeah, but so on one side, you've got these property developers and owners and whatnot landlords that yeah. possibly want our installation on the other side you've got an endless pool of artists that want to give them to you exactly all you've got to do is just tie the end so you didn't exactly. really need a business plan as such thank you i'm glad you said that well interestingly <laughs> i had an article in um, the daily mail financial section on exactly that and it was kind oh, of okay. a lockdown of like i didn't need a business plan and obviously i had all the haters on daily mail <laughs> commenting going well i'd like to see how her business is faring you know in a year's <laughs> time and i got a a absolutely like heckled for it but four Brilliant. years on i'm still going strong still growing yeah. Are getting bigger, so I really didn't, and I think again, it's just sometimes you know, there's a lot of what they call them sofapreneurs people that just you know have lots of business ideas but never actually get off their bums to do anything about it. And I think I could have spent a year developing an app, developing a website, putting a business you know case together or business plan together, but, but all I did was just got out and, and met with my old clients and, and the industry and said, What are you working on? What can I help you on? And I think because quite often they won't be they won't have an established creative brief, you know, they're it's a it's a creative industry to an extent, but 
you know, they were big blank walls and people going, look, we're not really too sure how to approach this. So that's when my kind of artistic head comes in to say, look, the space needs this. And I will be able to kind of sow the seeds back to a creative and say, look, here are the streams of kind of the narrative and the story that we want to tell. But actually, from a materiality perspective, this is what's needed. And this is the branding pack. And this is the tone of voice, whether it's Mayfair, Shoreditch, wherever that building's situated or externally. I'm sowing the seeds to the creative to then extract the best ideas sort of um, from them. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's really interesting. So I've forgotten what your question was. I went off at such a oh, tangent. I, I, I can't <laughs> remember either. Um, but you, you mentioned there about the client's perspective. Yeah. But from the creative's perspective, I was speaking to Lexmi Hussein when she was doing, or just before she was doing the Wembley thing yeah. that she'd done. She was oh so excited about that, about yeah. that project. I think she may have been doing it at the time I was chatting with her. She is just one of my favourite people on the planet. I adore Lakshmi. And she's, you know, that was a really great example of, of an artist that I'd been following her work. We arranged to meet and it was just, we just totally vibed off each other. The energy that she sort of emits is yeah. just so warm, so passionate, so dedicated to her craft. You know, she's a mum of three. She's balancing kind of, you know, the art and family life. And I was just, I found her a total inspiration. And I just said, cool, I'm, I'm going to find you a project. And yeah. I love working like that to say, let me. And through, you know, manifesting, I, I made it happen. And and she's, you know, born and raised in 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 the borough. And I, I'd curated, I had this concept of putting together um, for International Women's Day, an all-female art trail throughout Wembley a couple of years ago. And there was this canvas and she said, well, I've, I've not done a public art commission. Or I've not done anything 3D. And I'm like, well, well, you are now. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of managing that. And now she Can't get yourself a bigger brush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. And you work through it. You know, there's never a set process to, to any of the installations that I do because they're all unique. They're all site specific, which means I'm always slightly outside my comfort zone. But that truly is where the magic happens and it just means it, that things are constantly kept interesting and it pushes them and now she's having much more kind of you know larger commissions public yeah. art commissions and she walks past that installation most days with her kids and that just that you know really warms my heart so I always ask every artist and creative that I meet what's your dream project dream client dream canvas like think big and I'll try and make it happen because it's lovely to hear where they're at they might be hugely successful already but going do you know what I would love to do you know a hospital project or actually I'd love to do something in my hometown or whatever it is I love hearing what inspires them and what they yeah. want from the next and project. and from the artist perspective because most artists are just in their studio their sort of vision doesn't go too far beyond the wall until yeah. they're given an opportunity like that exactly. and similar happened to me a couple of years ago um I'd never done any public work Lee and Catherine from the Skip Gallery I was chatting with them mentioned an idea to them and they went right give us some diagrams yeah. give us some more information come back to us and we'll see what we can do and then a little while later they went right we've got a site for you I've got a skip yeah crack on and um, then from there that made me think bigger although it yeah. was you know only a skip but it was outside it was a public ish yeah. piece of work it's um, always thinking big is so so important and pushing boundaries like that is woven into you know the values of my business is is to always push it 
And I want clients to be slightly outside their comfort zone. I want the yeah. artists to do as well. We've all, to get really interesting results, you, you kind of have to do that. So even when I'm looking, you know, at individual projects, it's like, how can we add another layer of value to the client, but also onto the whole scheme that this is like a first and this is something exciting? Because once you've got that energy and people are pulling together, the excitement and the positive energy that that project kind of emits is, is, is amazing, you know? Yeah. Even talking about Lee and Catherine, so um, obviously just commissioned them on the um, rewilding Westfield project. Brilliant. You know, it's a huge canvas. It's 180 meters long. It's you know, it's it's a it's a massive mural. But even that, we came back and I said, I want to take this to the next level. Like, can we integrate some AR? And the, the client was totally on board with it. They were really excited. They'd not done it yeah. before. Lee and Catherine hadn't. So I pulled in another creative agency to kind of collaborate with us and go, like, let's let's do it. Now, it was great that Westwood had the budget to do it. But also just bringing that project team on as a first was like really exciting. So I always want to go big. It's like, push it. Can it be bigger? Can it be illuminated? Can it be interactive? And that's really where you capture people's imaginations in, in art, I think. It, it needs to kind of, you know, we've got, we're saturated with content and so much going on in London. It's like to really kind of stand out, you've got to keep pushing it. Um, but I love it, you know, and I really, I, I love um being able to work with such different types of creatives. And I was approached last year to curate um, a tattoo artist exhibition. Brilliant. I mean, you know, if someone had said to me a few years ago, we're working with tattoo artists, like, okay, cool. I would never have, you know, seen that happening, but it was brilliant. And it was, you know, a, a world-class tattoo artist from, from LA, you know, with, with a huge Instagram following, very sort of well-known in the industry. And he'd curated his, you know, all, all of his sort of network of tattoo artists to create these artworks. For charities so it was completely his his vision and I was like I'm I'm in like let's I want to be involved in this because what a great project to raise um funds for a youth homeless charity um the client Argent you know donated some space so every you know all the way along the process it was this really positive sort of project and they just needed help in pulling it all together and putting this exhibition on and it was a little bit like challenge Annika with running around like a headless <laughs> chicken trying to get artwork on walls and between the three of us we kind of made it happen and you know dressed the space and it was great and it was you know a huge turnout hundreds of people kind of spilling out onto the street I loved it but as I said I never ever expected of working with tattoo artists and you know likewise I'm now sort of thinking you know do I look at working maybe in the performance art sort of area or bring music in so when I had you know looking at names of what to call the business and do I just kind of use my name as a kind of consulting or sort of a you know a company name I thought I, I like artistic statements just because it's simple and it does what it says on the tin. And I have to be mindful of the property industry that, you know, it's it's a relatively simple and understandable um, sort of concept and name. But also it does span across so many different types of projects. You can make an artistic statement with, you know, your sock choice or your tie yeah, choice, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. right the way through to kind of spaces and music and so on. You can make creative statements in so many different sort of areas. So I kind of interested to see how I can you know bring in more music into sort of pieces or or sound and performance so that's really interesting to kind of think god I wonder what the projects are going to be over the next few years like it could be anything and have you got any projects about to come to fruition so I've just had the Westfield um project launch when was that some two or three weeks ago which has been a really exciting one as I said it was a, a very sort of positive and exciting and uplifting project, particularly in springtime to have something that was kind of biophilia and sort of floral themed, but bringing in the kind of tech element and interactivity. 
Um, Lee and Catherine were just a delight to work with. The clients were, you know, was, was great to work with, as were the AR team. So it was just a really, really lovely scheme to sort of be a, be a part of. So kind of riding that wave for the moment, we've, we've got um, a decent amount of press from that, which is great and really positive feedback from the client in terms of sort of driving footfall and, you know, great sort of feedback from it. So um, it's important to kind of stop and really appreciate and look at those projects and and be sort of proud of them and proud of the artists because I think going back to the sales conversation sometimes you know you're on to the next project without just stopping and appreciating so yeah. I'm trying to slow down a little bit this year and just take stock of what's been achieved where I want to take the business what types of projects I want to work on types of people I want to work with um so yeah I'm just sort of working hard on you know pushing that Westfield project, but taking a little bit of a, a step back as well. And then I've got yeah. probably 10 other projects on that are all at different sort of stages. So some of them are long-term public art schemes that won't be delivered for another sort of two to three years. So it's very much in the sort of strategy, you know, planning stages. Um, I've got two projects launching next year, which are which are public art, and then various things coming up sort of over, over the summer and into the autumn. So yeah, some exciting projects. So you've not, got, exciting. I wouldn't you've take not got time to sit back on your laurels and and relax. It's, yeah, I'm just at the moment, these last sort of few weeks, just taking a little bit of a of, of a breather because, you know, there's a lot that goes into delivering these schemes. And I think I had a hell of a lot on last year and it was I was probably too busy and again, getting to kind of burnout stage. So it's just kind of, OK, how can I manage that better in the future and have more of a kind of support structure around me? Because I'm running this on my own <laughs> it's, it's tough you're trying to wear you know 20 different hats so brilliant um for anyone who would like to see what artistic statements are doing how can they see what you're doing be it website or social media yep so you can visit the website which is www.artisticstatements.co.uk um instagram handle is artistic underscore statements but i actually use that as more of a sort of visual mood board um i think it's really useful to kind of look at what is out there in the world what's exciting me in innovation in in design i kind of make sure that i cross over from all mediums of light and architecture and fashion because it's just somewhere it's a sort of inspiration board so i i set that up in the beginning because i didn't have a portfolio of works when i first sort of started up and actually i've just continued it and gone do you know what this is actually really great as a way of celebrating other art installations and works that i've not produced so that's that account and then um, my personal account is Zoe Dolce Vita, which is kind of a personal account, but it's a mix of everything, really. It's kind of the art galleries and artistic things that I get up to mixed with food, mixed with travel. It's kind of the sweet life that I lead that I work very hard for. So oh, it's a visual representation of what you was thinking at the time, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Brilliant. For the interview, it's um, really, really interesting to talk to you. Brilliant. And hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. And you, mate. Speak soon. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've got an exhibition or any other creative project within the arts, or even just want to promote your own artwork, you could do that in podcast form similar to the one you've just listened to. They start at a convenient price point that is comfortable for any artist working on a budget. This podcast itself is created by working artists and we know how important that is. So to find out more information, you can email us on ministryofartsorg at gmail.com or on Instagram at ministryofartsorg. Ta-da!
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.